Hello everyone and welcome to Paranormalized, where our goal is to normalize the concept that life goes on after death. This is our weekly podcast facilitated by local tour agency Haunted Cincinnati, where we share personal experiences, explain the science behind ghost hunting, and attempt to answer questions about the unknown. I'm your co-host Alicia. I'm Drew. And I'm Alex. And welcome to Paranormalized. So last week, we continued with our discussion on beginner ghost investigating, and this week we will conclude the trilogy by sharing some more advanced investigation techniques and just giving some tips on how to start evaluating your evidence. So with that, where do you guys want to begin? I think we should start with ways to improve your investigation. When beginning investigations, it is important to know what sort of spirits may be lurking around so that you may cater your investigation towards that. For example... If you're investigating an opera house and a spirit is known to have been a performer, try things like performing on stage or asking them to sing a song from a musical they may have known. Catering investigations toward who may be there is a guaranteed way to stir up more activity than just asking generalized questions. Um, Another example is in places with children, asking questions that have to do with the children's interests or in places that were open during the 50s, ask questions prevalent to that time period. A theater is a really good example because we've actually used this in our investigations. Uh, Geyer Opera House is a location that we frequent for public ghost investigations through Haunted Cincinnati. And I decided to perform what I thought would be a rather charming rendition of Hallelujah on stage during one investigation. And in response, we received an EVP of a woman's voice that essentially told me that I sucked and I needed to get off the stage so she could take her turn. I thought that your singing was wonderful. Thank you. Even though she didn't. (laughs) I mean, yes, it was beautiful. But are we not going to mention that Alex reenacted the moon landing on stage two? Because I refuse to not let that come up. It was magical. (sighs) And it did not get her boot off the stage. So clearly the entities there appreciated learning our nation's history. I think that has everything to do with the fact that they were so entirely befuddled by what Alex was doing and saying that they had no idea how to react. (laughs) Listen, imagine being in their situation. Wouldn't you be completely enthralled by learning about how far we have come as a society? Okay, hang on, hang on. Let's let's set the scene here. Alex was wearing a random hodgepodge of clothing she had found in the opera house's dressing room and was on stage blathering about mankind landing on the moon in a cowboy hat and poncho. An event that some people to this day still think was a hoax. And you're going to tell me that these spirits were in no way confused by what was occurring in front of them? I just simply prefer to think that they were feeling an intense sense of national pride. <laughs> that's, Fine. That's true, because the Opera House had closed in 1968, so the ghosts, like, missed out on the whole moon landing thing by one year. Which why is why I think that they think you're crazy, but... It's fine. Proceeding. <laughs> anyway, it's also important that you should be made aware of what sorts of spirits may be lingering, and you should avoid hearing any actual paranormal evidence or stories. You want to enter unbiased. For example, if you're told that an EVP captured the name Bill, you may start hearing the name Bill when it's not really being said. Find your own evidence and then compare it to what has been found before. And one thing that I think is really ignored a lot when people are starting to investigate places is respect. 
um, which can kind of mean a few different things. But respect is extremely important to investigations. Very important. Absolutely. The quality of your investigation heavily relies on the amount of respect that you show. Completely. So, um, like I said, it can kind of go a few different ways. Firstly, if you are investigating with a group, always make sure that you are aware of your surroundings. If you make a noise, claim it. If there are multiple groups, try to know where they are so you're not interfering with their tasks and vice versa. If you're walking around upstairs, make sure the other groups know so they don't think that there's a phantom footstep situation going on. Things like that will go a long way when you are reviewing things later. And secondly, you also need to respect whatever entities are present with you. I know to some of you this might seem strange, but the spirits you are hoping to interact with are intelligent. You need to understand this. Anything you say and do could have consequences. Yes, we call them intelligent for a reason. They understand you, and their willingness to comply with your requests depends solely on them and, quite frankly, how likable you are. So if you're a bit of a jerk, they're not going to really want to talk to you, are they? And disrespect can actually lead to difficulties in future investigations of that location. On my first investigation ever, which was at Post Town Elementary, we were getting our initial walk through of the school and the owner explained to us that the group who had visited before us were not as respectful as they should have been and activity had been quieter since. Um, that night, some of the only evidence we got was EVPs captured when we were not around, uh, mostly of the entities telling each other to be quiet because our group was returning to a section. Um, our questions were ignored for most of the night, except for a couple times when a man told us he wanted us to leave. So for people who are serious about proving the existence of the paranormal, nights like these can be really frustrating. Overnight investigations are often expensive and they can be exhausting. So for all of that time, effort, and money to be wasted just because some people a few weeks before came in and made a mess, it makes the whole night just not worth it. Exactly. And I do think that we should clarify on what we mean by saying that someone is being disrespectful towards an entity. If you're into shows like Ghost Adventures or BuzzFeed Unsolved, then mm. you probably know <laughs> they tend to be rather disrespectful during their investigations. Uh, they run around, act over the top when they hear any noise. They dare things to hurt them. They yell insults when activity is quiet. They sometimes throw things to fake poltergeist activity and sometimes even cause damage that's hard to repair. This is all for the entertainment factor that's required to keep the show going. Really, though, they haven't acquired any of the evidence they need to prove what they're searching for. Several investigators have had problems entering a property after the crew leaves where they experience zero activity. It might be tempting to start yelling at ghosts after seeing the activity these shows get from rallying them up, but it's not worth it in the end. Only getting negative attention from spirits doesn't make for a good investigation, and you're only going to make the next set of investigators experience a dull and eventless night. All we ask is that you do not be like Ghost Adventures or BuzzFeed Unsolved. Yes, please don't be. As we have mentioned previously, that actual ghost hunting is nothing like how it is shown on TV shows meant for your entertainment. But these two shows in particular tend to paint ghost hunting in a dangerous light by implying that not only is it okay to disrespect the dead, but that it will ensure your interaction from beyond. It's terrible and dangerous and should just never be done, ever. Yes. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. 
I think it's also worth mentioning that behaving in such a way is also a quick route to causing something negative to become attached to you, and you absolutely don't want that. There are plenty of cases where people who thought that they were being funny have had their lives ruined by a negative entity attaching itself to them. It's something that takes a lot of time to fix, and sometimes it can cost a lot of money if you have to hire someone to help you get rid of it. That is very true. A very quick route to being attached by something. Now, I know that it is customary for a lot of ghost investigators to do such things as say a prayer before entering a location and to say one upon leaving just for their protection. It is also very common um, upon leaving to say something along the lines of, thank you for your time tonight. You cannot come with us. You must stay here just to ensure that nothing will follow you home. Or some variation of that, at least. It can be in your own words, but it's just something to ensure that you don't bring home any new roommates. Yeah, I hear they are extremely rude tenants. I personally have never once heard of a ghost paying rent. I don't know about you guys, <laughs> but... Um, well, hopefully that helps you wrap your mind around the importance of being respectful uh, while investigating. I think it's about time that we should start discussing debunking. Agreed. Uh, when investigating, it's important to attempt to debunk any sort of activity that you experience. Debunking in the ghost hunting world is the active attempt to prove that captured evidence is just normal activity that can either be easily explained or replicated. Most of what happens in the night is capable of easily being explained as natural events. Evidence is much more significant and credible if it cannot be debunked. One of the simplest creators of evidence fraud is bugs. They are everywhere, they are fast, and they show up blurry in pictures. This is why so many people don't believe in orbs. Uh, they can usually be explained by insects flying by. And you need to remember that they are attracted to light, which you'll usually be carrying one on you. A true orb will generally be colored as opposed to like a translucent ivory. Um, a translucent ivory color is going to be a bug, as previously stated, or light reflecting off of a surface. I also know that dust is a big cause of orbs, but these pictures are a lot more easily debunked than bugs because if the picture is filled with a million tiny orbs everywhere, that's a pretty good indicator that a lot of dust has been stirred up before the picture was taken. But if you get like a glowing blue orb, that's probably something. Uh, but you should always check to make sure that there isn't something blue nearby that it could be reflecting. Um, if you take a burst photo, and the orb moves around, then it's very likely that you've actually captured something significant. Yes, so the most significant orbs are the ones that are colored. Blue is the most common of them, but there is evidence of other colored orbs existing. Research claims that different orbs indicate different sorts of spirits, and this topic segues into one of my favorite personal ghost stories. In our first episode, I believe I mentioned a farmhouse that we used to investigate frequently. During one visit, I was off on my own, and one of my teammates took a picture of me off in the distance. Above my shoulder in this picture is a bright-as-can-be red orb. Just, you know, chilling there. Immediately, he saw this after taking the photo, and he shared it with me. Having never seen an anomaly quite like this, um, we agreed to take a break, go to my car, while I looked up what this might mean. After doing some web browsing, the consensus seemed to be that red orbs were indicators of a protective or guardian spirit. And then after reading this out loud to my fellow investigators, I looked up to see that the car window had fogged up in such a way that it looked like there was an angel on its knees praying. Everyone in the car could see it. 
and no other moment in my life has cemented me more in my faith than that night. I still get chills talking about it to this day because to me there is now undoubtable evidence that something is watching out for me from the beyond. And since that night several years ago, I have seen red orbs captured only a handful of times, all of which were pictures of me. That is incredible, actually. See, I think that's also, like, amazing. I know that a lot of people discredit orb evidence, but, like, at this point, there's so many stories like that that just confirm them, in my mind. Moving on, uh, EVPs are always fun to review, but it's important to debunk before taking it as concrete evidence. You need to listen to the audio and pay close attention to sounds that you didn't tag, meaning you or other investigators didn't create that noise, and then debunk from there. Could the sound be from quiet shuffling? From the house settling? From the recorder being moved? If it's none of these, then you can keep moving on. If the voice is distinct, or is it garbled mess? Uh, Most ghost investigation shows tend to force words on garbled sounds and then flash the words on the screen, which leads you to hearing these words as well. Garbled sounds can be considered evidence, but don't attempt to hear words when there aren't any. As we said previously, if you hear stories about things that happened in previous investigations, you might be tempted to hear the word bill in a garbled recording. Don't try to listen for specific words. Your ultimate goal is to hear distinct words that are answering questions. Agreed. We can't stress enough how important it is not to force evidence on yourself. EVPs can be especially hard to debunk because more often than not, they are a form of evidence that will be examined later after you have left the investigation. So it may be difficult to recall if certain noises were explainable or not. And this makes it easy to assign an otherwise explainable anomaly as something paranormal. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, K2 meters are another popular ghost hunting tool that we have mentioned previously. In order to ensure that the readings are indeed an indication of the paranormal, you must absolutely first take a reading of the room you are currently inhabiting. Take the K2 meter around the room and search for any electrical areas that may cause the K2 to fluctuate consistently, and then avoid placing the K2 meter near there to avoid picking this up. It's pretty simple. A good rule of thumb is to hold the meter in your hand, and if it's constantly going off, then lower it to the floor. If it gets stronger, then it is likely the reading is coming from electrical sources in the floor. If it gets weaker or goes away, then raise it to the ceiling. Again, if it gets stronger, then there is likely an electrical source in the ceiling. If it again goes away or gets weaker, it is then likely the reading is indeed paranormal. And remember, remember, remember to make sure that your phone is on airplane mode. Yes, your phone will cause the K2 meter to go off like crazy if it is anywhere near it, especially if you're receiving text messages, calls, notifications of any kind. But you do want to keep it on so that you can use it to take pictures, especially in burst mode. Burst mode's magical. And at the end of the night, you're probably going to have a lot of evidence, uh, be it photographic or audio evidence, and it can be a lot to go through, especially if you're new to the field. Sometimes you'll capture things that you can't explain, but that's why you need to explore every possibility to see if it can be recreated. Uh, We often debunk many of our own photos and audio, and while it can be disappointing, it'll make your real paranormal evidence way more exciting when you finally capture it. And if you think that your evidence is worth sharing, or even if you want a second opinion or theories for other possibilities of what you're seeing, uh, you can actually email us at paranormalizedpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to help you if we can, or even just answer any questions you have, whether it be about investigating or anything else you hear on the podcast. Please feel free to email us. We can even give you a shout out on our podcast with your evidence. 
Uh, anyway, looks like that's all the time we have. So join us next time on Paranormalized, where we'll be discussing something a little more interesting. Demons and various forms of demonic activity. Stay haunted, Cincinnati.